Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or a sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you on your way to court with him or her. And your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And you have heard it that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with his heart, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said that it, that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you not make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. You, you may be seated. If it wasn't obvious, I had a hard time coming up with a children's sermon today based on that scripture. So I went with, you know, do not swear falsely. Let's tell the be truth tellers about what's going on in the world, right? Be truth. Um, before I begin on the, I don't want to say the actual sermon as if this isn't, I would be remiss if I didn't speak directly about this divorce passage. I am imagining, you don't have to raise your hand, everybody in this room either personally has been affected by divorce or has a loved one who is personally direct, directed, affected by divorce. Is that a safe assumption? This passage has been used frequently either to cause hurt or has caused a lot of internal anguish 
when people go through divorce? Is that safe to assume also? And we carry so much guilt around us because of that. Let me say this. I have a hard time taking marital device, advice from something 2,000 years old that is talking about a different type of institution that maybe shares the same name. Okay? Marriage at that time, did you have a choice in who you married? Men, you needed to pass on your lineage, and so that was your goal. Women, you were trying to bring your family up the social ladder. Hopefully you have a choice in marriage now. And there are times in which, for the health of the individual, the couple, the family, promises that were made in the best faith early on need to be broken later on. It is okay. Sometimes that needs to happen. So what I will always say, while divorce may not be ideal, it is necessary. And if you are struggling through that, or you know someone who is struggling through that, take a deep breath. It is okay. Sometimes it is necessary. Are we clear on that? Let go of your guilt. Right? It's, oh, it's just necessary for the health of everybody involved to let one relationship come to an end. So something new can begin that ultimately is better for us and everybody involved. And all, hopefully what you'll see is ultimately this isn't really about divorce. It's not about marriage. It's not about um, murder. It's about trying to work the system for our own benefit. Because that doesn't happen in the world today, does it? Nobody tries to look for the loophole. Nobody tries to look for the workaround. Nobody tries to say, well, that you didn't say that. My kids were here first service, and I said, I'm gonna, I really try not to talk about my kids in sermons. But this experience that we've had at home, I could easily say it experienced when I was a child. I'm sure it is experienced in your home if you were a parent or if you were a child. Something very similar has played out where you'll say to your kid, I said to my kids, go out and shovel the driveway. So they go out and shovel the driveway. But we have a walkway that goes from the driveway up to the front door. What do they not shovel? You didn't say shovel the walkway. You only said shovel the driveway. That hasn't happened in your homes at all, has it? Did I mean for them to shovel the walkway also? Maybe, hey, would you clean the bathroom? So they clean the bathroom. But the garbage is there, and it still has tissues falling out over the floor. And I'll walk, and I'll say, hey, I thought I told you to clean the bathroom. I did clean the bathroom. Well, what about the garbage? You didn't say empty the garbage. You said clean the bathroom. Really? Emptying the garbage means cleaning the bathroom, doesn't it? How about this one, right? Our garbage day is Friday morning. Hey, would you take out the garbage? The garbage makes it out, but we don't put out just the garbage. What else do we put out? What doesn't make it out? You didn't say take out the recycling. You just said take out the garbage. Does that happen to anybody else? Please tell me yes. Spouses, it happens there, right? 
we work the system, don't we? We look for technicalities to make it easier so we don't really have to do what needs to be done. We can do the bare minimum. That's what this passage is really about. On Wednesday night, we had someone, Nikki, I'm going to point at you because that's where this gentleman was sitting on Wednesday night as we had this passage read. And what happens on Wednesday evening is we read the passage, then we just say, what do you think? What bothers you? What disturbs you? What comforts you? What discomforts you? What do you like? What do you not understand? All those kind of questions. And this one gentleman goes, Jesus seems to be making it a lot harder than it was before, doesn't he? <laughs> he didn't really make it easier. He made it a lot harder. And let's be honest. We like it when it's just easy. Tell me yes or no. Let me do this. Let's have clear, delineate lines in which it is so easy to comprehend. I can just do this and move on my way. The life following Jesus kind of muddles that line of thinking up. It's not as clear. It's not really about what you do and don't do. There's something deeper that's going on. Anybody ever hear of the show, or do you watch the show, The Good Place? A few people, right? If you don't watch The Good Place, you're missing out. I am only early on. I love Chrissy laughing over there. Mark said, too, ooh, you're going to talk about The Good Place on Sunday? I'm looking forward to it. You mean you're not normally looking forward to it, Mark? No, I'm kidding. Good Place to show. It's on NBC. Here's the premise of the show, and I'm going to talk about one episode near the end of the first season, and don't worry, I'm only going to potentially spoil this one episode, but not the whole show. Don't worry, Chrissy. Here's the whole premise of the show, The Good Place. A woman dies. Uh, Kristen Bell is the actress's name. Eleanor is the name of the show. She dies, and she ends up in The Good Place. The only problem is she was supposed to go to The Bad Place. She was a pretty selfish, rude, greedy person growing up, uh, throughout her life. She died, and through a mistake, she goes to the good place. So she gets there, and she realizes there was a mix-up. So the whole time, she's trying to hide the fact that she shouldn't be there. Does that make sense? As that first season goes on, they come up with a plan to allow her to stay in the good place. She has a counter, looks kind of like a gold compass that you open up, and in it, it keeps track of the points on whether you've done good things or bad things. In order to get into the good place in your life, you should have racked up like a million some points. It's all in green numbers. Eleanor opens up this little compass thing, and it's negative 4,009 or whatever. It's all in the red. So her plan, to in order to stay in the good place, is to do good things, So she can stay. So she essentially becomes like a Walmart greeter of the town and is opening doors for everybody, always saying hi. After doing this for a while, she opens up her compass and has it changed. No, it's actually gone backwards because as someone didn't say thank you, she yells out at them, why didn't you say thank you? And And it goes negative. She then comes up with a plan with some other people. It all started at this party early on, so let's recreate this party, give them a fresh start, and then they will all like me. So she throws this grand party, and everything goes well, and the party is done, and she's gathering with the people there that know what's happening. She opens up her counter, and has the counter changed? It's still negative 4,000 or whatever. Why hasn't her counter changed? What's her motivation behind it all? 
herself. Does she really care about the people that she is doing nice things for? She's just trying to work the system, isn't she? Hence, this counter that she has doesn't change. Does our world function that way sometimes? We don't really care about the other person, do we? I don't know. Do our motivations, well, I'll do this nice thing, but is it really about myself? Is it really so I can feel less guilty, so I can feel better, right? We don't use people as objects in our world, do we at all? Because that's really what this is about. This scripture is about people not really caring about others. It's really, how do I just work the system, do the minimum? And Jesus is saying, you guys have got it all wrong. It's not about working the system. It's not about yes or no. It's not about this list that you need to follow. It's about a life of love, and love does. There's a great book Vicki and I read this years ago titled Love Does by Bob Goff. It is in our church library, actually. Dot went out after first service and is holding it out so everybody can see. Love Does by Bob Goff. Chrissy, I'm sure you know this book. You work at a library, right? It's a fantastic book. Love Does. Eventually in the good place, Eleanor realizes what she must do if she wants to stay in the good place. And it has nothing to do with these simple little steps. I'm not going to ruin that episode for you. I really encourage you to watch the show. It is really excellent. And it is a family... Annika, do you watch it? It is a family-friendly show, but yet it has all these other deep themes, and I would say even theological themes going on. You can get it on Netflix. I'm not being paid for this endorsement. (laughs) But let's be honest. Love does. It's not a rule follower. It is a love follower. I'm glad God is not a rule follower. Because if I had a counter, how would I? I'm not going to ask you how I'd be doing. I'll just be honest. I'd be in the red. We all might be, right? Or if we needed to get to a certain amount, we'd just be working to get to that certain amount and other people would simply become objects to us. How do I use you to get what I want? Even good things can be that way, can be manipulated, can be used in which we don't have the benefits of the other person in our mind. We have our own benefit in our mind. God takes away that way of thinking and inserts something else a new way of life that honestly is harder and so much better because it looks at what is best for my neighbor, what is best for the other, for the oppressed, for the ostracized, for the put down, for the widow, for the orphan, for whatever it might be, right? That we put a negative connotation on and says, what's best for them is best for all of us. God's not a rule follower. God is a love follower. 
And I am so thankful for that because it frees me from this point system that really, can we ever win? And even if we think we're winning, that means somebody else is, and I must be better than you because I'm winning, Barry. I got more points. So then how does that affect my relationship with this person? You see how that happens? God removes us from that. God has said no to that way of thinking and introduced something, honestly, a lot harder and also a lot better. And for that, I am so thankful. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.